What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Guys, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. If you're tuning with us online tonight, thank you so much for joining us online. Whether you're checking us out on nextlevelfreedomchurch.com, Rumble, YouTube, wherever you're checking this out on the podcast, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you checking us out online. What we want to do is invite you to come down and join us in person next time on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock with Next Level Freedom Church. And Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., we join with our Joy Church family and have services with them as well. So you can come to either service. You are welcome. Welcome back. How's everybody doing tonight? Tired, got it. Anybody awake tonight? A couple of you. Okay, it's good, it's good. Samantha, the energy from last week's not there tonight, huh? No? Oh, okay. So she was last week, she was the one that's like, oh no, I'm not tired. I was like, all right, let's, she's not tired. She's just thinking, all right. So she's, she's waiting on mom to show up. All right, well tonight, man, we're going to be continuing this series, God Is. And I titled it that because... God can be a lot of things, right? But God is. There's only one God. Let's get that straight. When I say a lot of things, I don't mean different gods. There is one God who is the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that we believe. They are one, yet three. If anybody's ever tried to explain that to you, they either lied to you or they didn't explain it right because it can't be explained. And because you lean too far one way, then you look into the Trinity's not there. You lean too far another way, then you're only saying there's one and there's no trinity. So then it just becomes heresy either way. So you can't explain it, but that is the reason he is God and we are not. Amen? Amen. And there's a lot of reasons he's God and we're not. Because how many of y'all, there's a few people you'd say you'd take them out if you could, right? Let's just be real tonight. There's people that's gotten on your nerves and if you were God, they'd already be wiped out, right? That's why he's God, we're not. Because you got to remember when we have those thoughts, you were once where they're at. Whether it was the same sin or not, we were all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus became our way when he came and died on the cross for us. And in this series, God is, we are taking a look at the eight names of God listed in our Old Testament. And we are showing how Jesus fulfilled those in the New Testament. And if you remember last week, we talked about Yehovah, the God, our righteousness, which was, let me see here, Yehovah. Sitkanu is how we know it in English. I'm looking for my uh, Hebrew translation. There it is. Yehovah. See, I even had to look this up. Sedek is the Hebrew word there for righteous, our righteousness. So he is God, our righteousness. And how did we talk about that last week? We talked about the woman caught in the act of adultery, but Jesus declared her righteous, even though the religious knuckleheads were trying to write her off. 
What did Jesus say to the religious knuckleheads? He said, you that's without sin, you cast the first stone. Jesus was the only one standing in that circle who would have been worthy to cast a stone at that woman. And he chose to forgive her. And he did. Amen. If he forgave you, I should have got a louder amen than that. Amen. Amen. If you're born again, he's forgiven you from something. It may not have been adultery like her, but it's something. He forgave you for. I've got a past. You've got a past. And we do well to remember that before we start judging heathens for living like heathens. We talked a little bit about that last week. But we aren't actually righteous. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. However, because of Jesus' blood, we are declared righteous. Therefore, he is Jehovah Sikhanu. The Lord God, our righteousness. He became righteousness for us. What is righteousness? It's a standard. And in this case, it's God's standard. See, the world would have you think there's all kinds of standards out there you can live by, but there's not. There's one standard. There can be one truth, and there is one God who holds you to that standard. And you better, you do well to realize you can't live up to that standard on your own. Without Jesus, you're not going to make it. Amen? I got some saints in the house tonight. So this week we're going to continue with the second week where we were talking about the forgiveness of sin and deliverance from sin's dominion. How many of y'all know before Jesus, sin had dominion in your life? Amen. Amen. There's a few. Thank you, Margie. We got a few people out here that's alive with us. I'll give you another chance. How many of y'all knew before Jesus, sin had dominion in your life? There we go. Now we're waking up. All right. And we also came with this scripture for these past two weeks, and it will change next week, but I want to throw this back at you. Judges 21, 25, which said, and this is the New King James Version, in those days there was no king in Israel. Talking about the book of Judges. Remember, Joshua has passed on. Nobody was there to lead. So they had judges that rose up throughout the book of Judges. Some of the most famous one you probably know is Samson. If you're tuning out there, most people know who that is. He was one of the 12 judges in Israel. Yes, I think it was 12 judges in Israel, at least during the time of the judges. So, and then there was some others, Deborah, Gideon. There was a whole slew of them, and I don't remember them all tonight, so I'm not going to try on the air tonight. But they were there, and those were the only ones that rose up. So what happened in Judges 21, 25, this is the very last verse in the book of Judges. And it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. King David hadn't showed up yet. Saul hadn't showed up yet. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Doesn't that sound like today's world? You look at ethics, and I'm not even going to go into, there's several different kinds of ethics, and I studied that in school. It was part of the requirement to get the degree I got. But universalism, and I can't even think of all of them right now, but there are so many forms of ethics, and what these ethics do is they tell you that, well, if it's okay to you, then it's okay, right? Is that right? Or does that kind of sound like the verse we just read? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The problem with our own eyes is we can't see the sin we're living in. That's why God sent Moses who delivered Israel, who came up with the Ten Commandments and all the other laws that came with Moses, so that man could finally see that they were living in sin. Because before that, there was no written law. So until the law was written down, they didn't even realize, some of them, that they were sinning. 
There wasn't any standard to live by. But knowing that man could not fulfill that law on their own, God sent Jesus, his son, what we call in the Old Testament the Messiah that was to come that would save not only Israel but all of mankind from their sin. And remember we also gave a couple of quotes last week. One was from St. Augustine who said, Right is right even if no one is doing it. And wrong is wrong even if everyone is doing it. And something similar from William Penn, Right is right even if everyone is against it. Sound like today? And wrong is wrong even if everyone's for it. See, it don't matter how many men you can gather to say this is right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. See, we're trying to live to that standard of righteousness. Whose standard? God's standard. And that's why we need Jesus. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, that's why we need Jesus. Amen. So we talked about last week, we briefly mentioned, and I'll do it again just for kind of a review. There are five benefits to the New Testament covenant, which is when Jesus died and paid our sin debt for us. When we receive him, he cleanses that. The first one we're wrapping up tonight was the forgiveness of sin and deliverance from sin's dominion. The second one was the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The third one is the promise of health and healing. The fourth is freedom from the law's curse and failure and insufficiency. And the fifth one is freedom from fear of death and hell. How many of y'all know believers who came down, said a prayer, went through the motions, but they were just doing it to get their fire insurance paid up. They didn't want to change their life. They just came because they didn't want to go to hell, right? Let's just be real. We didn't want to... We didn't want to go to hell, so we thought we would go down, an altar, pray a prayer. But here's the thing. If you went through the motions, it didn't work anyway. It's got to be a legit change in your life. And without that legit change and without that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're not going to make it. That's why salvation is so important. So tonight as we wrap up forgiveness of sin and the deliverance from sin's dominion, we take a look at once again the same name, Jehovah, at the beginning. Let me just read you Larry Lee's quote again from last week. It says, God's name, Jehovah, reveals his readiness to save his people to, and to act for them. Thus the name Jehovah, or I am that I am, can be rendered, I am with you, ready to save and to act, just as I have always been. God's done everything he can do for you. He sent his son to die. Now you have a choice to make. Do you receive this free gift of salvation? Or do you reject it, walk away, and kind of like we talked Good Friday, run off naked into the darkness? Because you've got nothing on. You've got no armor. You've got no protection. All you've got is what the enemy's putting your blinders on and showing you over here in the darkness. Which you, How many of y'all know, have you ever been in a cave a dark cave when they turned out the lights. What's that? Merrimack Cavern, they do it. They turn off the light. You can't see anything. And that's the type of darkness you'll be walking in without Jesus. And Brett mentioned it a few weeks ago as he was talking about the light. There could be a hole right in front of you, and more than likely there is, that you're not going to see without the light. Who is the light? Jesus. Jesus is the light. All right. So tonight's name comes out of Leviticus chapter 20. And it's verses 7 and 8. And it says, Consecrate yourselves, consecrate, sorry, yourselves therefore, and be holy, 
For I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So tonight's name, there's its meaning. I am the Lord who sanctifies or sanctifies you in your case. The Hebrew there is Yehovah Kadesh. And Kadesh actually means the word sanctify, just as it says. So that's the name we're going to be taking a look at tonight. The Lord God, and I'll just say our sanctification. Because without him sanctifying us, we're not going to make it. That's why this falls under the topic forgiveness of sin and deliverance from sin's dominion. Because until your eyes are open to what's going on in the world around you, you're going to miss it. Our passage tonight, we're going to be coming out of a Luke chapter 7. We're going to be talking about another woman here tonight who went through some stuff. And Jesus forgave her as well. Let me get a drink. Now, something I want to go ahead and clarify up front. There were two instances in your Bible where a woman washed Jesus' feet with oil and hair. The instances you have in Matthew, Mark, and John are Mary Magdalene. She was a decent woman. However, in Luke, it's a whole other lady. How do we know that? Well, there's a few clues in the text that tell us that this is a whole different person. One is that this one took place early on in Jesus' ministry. Mary Magdalene, when she did, it took place in the last week, they believe, of his ministry here on earth before he was crucified. This lady was a prostitute. Mary Magdalene was a decent person. But this is where the misconception comes nowadays that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. The Bible never said that. She could have been. We don't know that. But it appears in the text, you're talking about Lazarus, his sister, and Martha. That's Mary Magdalene. She's the one that did it later on. This is a different lady. She's a prostitute. We find that it's in a different house because this lady, actually, this takes place in a Pharisee's house called Simeon. When Mary Magdalene does it, it takes place at her house. So how do we know this is two different women? I want to encourage you. I just had to Google it. If you want more information, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it tonight. This was just one of the first ones that popped up. The title of this one is Two Different Women Anointed Jesus. One was decent, the other was not. And they're scriptures, and they show you how you can see the difference. I don't want to spend a lot of time there tonight. All I did was Google it, and it popped right up, okay? So if you didn't know that, now you know. Say, now you know, to your neighbor. Now you know. All right. So we're dealing with a prostitute. Here's the other unique thing about this story. She doesn't have a name. And I think that's good and interesting and there for a reason because anybody could be in her shoes. But let's read. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 38. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask, or alabaster, sorry, flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her head, or her hair on her head, of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil oil here's a woman we know here that she wasn't actually living it 
She went to the Pharisee's house. She's heard, and we find out actually in a minute that what type of woman she is. It just says she was a sinner here. But in a minute, we find out what type of woman she was. She goes and washes Jesus' feet. Here's the first thing I want you to catch. Point number one tonight is that God loves all people, not just you. Look at your neighbor and say, not just you. He loves everybody. Even the ones that reject him, he still loves them. And he's trying to give them every chance he can to receive his free gift of salvation. And this woman was no different. She, here's actually, I'll give her credit and props for this because knowing the type of woman she was showing up at a religious leader's house, you know she was getting criticized left and right. But she didn't care. She was working her way to the Savior. Oh, that should have got a few amens. Some of y'all, when you were living out there in the world and nobody else put any hope in you, anybody ever heard this one? You're never going to amount to anything. If you ever heard that, raise your hand. That's, I'm one of them, my hands up. You're never going to amount to anything. And if you'd have listened to that lying garbage, you wouldn't have amounted to anything. But guess what? God had a plan for you just like he had a plan for this woman. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a plan for you. God loves all people. John 3.16. How do we know he loves all people? Because John 3.16 tells us one of the most famous verses probably in the church and even outside the church. There's probably a few people that know this one. It says, for God so loved the what? That's everybody, right? For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So what that verse tells me is anyone that will come to belief in Jesus Christ shall be saved. Look at your neighbor and say there's hope for you. Some of y'all are scared to say that, aren't you? What if they're a Christian? Well, we don't know. Just tell them there's hope for them. And even if they are a Christian... At one point, there wasn't hope, but now there's hope for them, right? So try it again. Look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for you. There is hope for all of us. Luke 739, continuing there, it says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, look at this, this is religious criticism. (laughs) Religious knuckleheads, that's why we call them that. This man, if he were a prophet, can I say it like a Pharisee? This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. She is a sinner. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a sinner too. And if you're a believer now, you were a sinner too. Amen? Now you're trying to be a saint, right? You're a believer. You're living like a saint. But you used to be a sinner living in the world. Here's my second point tonight. (laughs) And he gave us the best example for this. Don't be religious. Don't be religious. Religion is the very thing people in this world reject. They don't like the religion. They love Jesus. They don't like the way the church has packaged Jesus. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, don't limit God. He can change this world. So don't be religious like this man was. How many of y'all know somebody like that? 
The moment the sinner walked in church, whatever they, maybe they were a drunk. And I've said it since the beginning. If you're a drunk and you're out there and you're looking for a place to attend church, have a seat in my front row. I don't mind sinners coming to this house because that is who we have been sent to save. I'm not going to save them. Jesus is going to save them. But until they get to the house, how do we expect to see them receive Jesus? The Bible says if no one tells them about it, how are they going to know? And that's paraphrasing in Romans chapter 10, I believe it is. How do they know unless you tell them? And that means even that person you're judging walking down the street, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, hey, you need to go give them this word. I hope you're not so religious you're going to stay on your high horse and let that person continue to walk. Because God loves them just like he loves you. Just because they're not saved yet doesn't mean they're not going to be. God can change an entire person's life and do a complete 360, 180, I'm sorry, in your life. And totally turn your life around. But you've got to be willing to allow him to. Matthew chapter 3 verses 7 to 10 says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, this is at the John when he was baptizing people in the river. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, what was our point? Don't be religious, right? He said to them, brood of vipers. Guess what? John wasn't complimenting them. He was insulting them. The religious high holy people they thought they were. He was insulting them. Brood of vipers, he said. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not say to your, think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Guess who doesn't bear fruit? Religious people. They don't bear any fruit. They're the critics. They're the ones smirking and making faces at people as they come down. Sinners that are wanting to be saved on the front row of the church. They're the ones looking at the neighbor and saying, Hey, do you see that person? What are they doing here? Why are they dressed like that? What would you dress like before you knew Jesus? Just a question. I know things were a little bit more proper back maybe in the 20s and 40s and way back when. But this country's been sliding as far as dress code for a long time. And you can't tell me, ladies, even some gents out there, that you didn't dress a little weird at a time. But God still loves you. So how about the next time one of those people show up at church, instead of judging them for what they showed up for, we take time to witness to them. Like God told us to do. John calls out the religious knuckleheads. He calls them brood of vipers, and he says, don't think just because you're of Abraham's seed, because that's what the Jews think, many of them nowadays. Well, we're seeds of Abraham. We're going to be fine. No, no, no. He's saying God can raise up seeds of Abraham from these stones. Don't think that's going to get you to heaven. He said the axe is laid to the root of the tree now, and if you don't bear fruit, you're going to get thrown in the fire. And he was talking to them. He wasn't talking to the other listeners. Look at your neighbor and say, we expect heathens to live like heathens. But when so-called Christians are doing it, we got a problem. Houston, we got a problem. If you're claiming to be a Christian and you're living like a heathen, guess what? You probably are a heathen. 
Because there's a 180 change in your life when you totally repent. Repent means you make a 180. We got military in here. It's an old military term. That means about face. So you're going this way. It's not working out for you. So you decide to turn and go this way. That's following God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Verse 40, picking up where we left off in Luke 7, it says, And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He's talking to the religious person whose house is he at. He said, so he said, teacher, say it, right? Now, okay, I, I said this where he couldn't hear me a minute ago, right? He didn't think. Jesus knew what he was saying. He thought he was, you know, remember it said he didn't look at you. He said it over here. Jesus said, teacher, say it. Now all of a sudden this guy, oh, yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. That's a lot of money. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lot of money. And the other owed five, or the other owed, other owed 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more, or he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. But he still wants to save him. Just because they're living a life different from the one you lived, or maybe they're living the same life. Just because maybe you were raised in a church, maybe you rejected God, but you were pretty good, right? And, or maybe you received Christ later in life, or maybe you received him early. I don't know. It doesn't really matter because to Jesus, to God, a saved soul is a saved soul. And heaven's rejoicing when someone comes to the Lord. Amen. Anybody in the church here tonight? Amen. Let's try that again. We're going to give it a hallelujah. Whenever, whenever someone comes to the Lord, heaven rejoices. Hallelujah. hallelujah. The church ought to get excited with the angels. We ought to be celebrating along with them. The celebration's already happening in heaven. Are we going to tap in with it and celebrate with them? But either way, even though he owed a greater cost, here's what point three is that moves us on. God wants all to be saved. So he not only loves everybody, he wants to see them all saved. The sad truth is many will reject. It's free. All you have to do is ask. And that's why he made it free, because he wants to see all be saved and all come to repentance. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, is what it says, but that all, how, who's that say? All. You know what, last time I checked, all means all. It means everybody. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance if you reject God it's not because he didn't give you opportunity to receive him no matter how many times you reject him he's always got his hand out come on are you going to take it today and many people have pushed that hand away and moved on with their life and went on to hell there's a lot of good people in hell there's an old saying that said that and that's true because they thought they were good enough to make it to heaven but whose standards are you judging good enough by it's not God's. 
You can't judge by your own standards. If we're going to live by God's rules, God's standards are whose we live to live by. And because we can't live to that standard, Jesus died so that we could receive him and still make it to heaven. Luke, continuing there in verse 44 of chapter 7, it says, He turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Check it out. He's getting ready to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's getting ready to jump on him a little bit here. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many... He's acknowledging he knows what type of woman she is. But what he's saying is, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. How many of y'all know that ruffled a few feathers? For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Just because you've went through the motions for years, Mr. Pharisee, Mr. Religious Person, doesn't mean you know me and if you do know me doesn't mean you're holier than the person that repented from these terrible sins they committed because God wants what do we say all to be saved so he chastised maybe that's the word I'm looking for him a little bit what do you, well let's let me break it down just real quickly I'm not going to spend a lot of time here he said you give me no water for my feet well why do they need water on their feet well back then the lowliest slave Wash the feet. Well, here, let me, I don't know how far I need to break this down. They're walking on dirt roads, donkeys, camels. Come on. Do I need to break it down? What are they leaving behind them? A lot of these, some of these people didn't wear shoes. They didn't have sandals. Some did. They're walking through that stuff. Their feet are dirty. This is why this job was reserved for the lowliest servant in the house. To wash the feet of the guests. What did Jesus say to this man? You didn't wash my feet. Let's go to the next one. He gave me, you gave me no kiss. Well, there's a custom here. Because and I actually had, we had an exchange student that stayed with us from South America, from Honduras. Or not Honduras. Um, Quito? Ecuador. Quito, Ecuador is where he was from. And he had a tradition when he came up. And believe me, the girls liked it. He wasn't a bad-looking young man, right? So they would kiss on the cheeks as a greeting. Well, up here, what do we do? Handshake, hi. He didn't know that. So he's going around the high school as a student, and he's not actually touching their cheek. He's kind of kissing to the side. The girls are loving it, right? So this is a custom as well. You greet it with a kiss back in this day. We don't understand that now, but just because we don't see it now doesn't mean it didn't happen then. And then he says, you didn't anoint my head with oil, but this woman is not, he, she hasn't ceased anointing my feet since I came in. Let's keep moving. The point number four tonight is, God offers grace to all who receive, there's a key word, his sacrifice. What's his sacrifice? Jesus' life. You receive his sacrifice he gave on the cross. You receive him as your savior God offers grace to all who receive his sacrifice. This woman is no different. Prostitute or not, sinner or not, 
God wants her saved as bad as the rest of them sitting around the table. And if there was levels of salvation, she'd probably more saved than a lot of them around that table, right? I'm not saying there are levels. I'm just saying. Because a lot of them think they're up here, right? Religion. Don't let it creep in. Romans 5.17 tells us, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus that we're saved. Read this last part of Luke 7 where we're going to stop tonight and we're going to get ready to wrap up here shortly. It says, then he said to her, this is verse 48 to 50. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Remember I said it probably ruffled some feathers. Then he said to the woman, your faith. Hmm. I got a series I might bring back here at some point where we talked about faith. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What saved the woman? Her faith in Jesus. Now let's break it down a little deeper. She's willing to go past all the religious people that are mocking her just to get to Jesus who was the only one whose opinion mattered at that point because he's the only one that could save her. So last point, five, sanctification is offered by our faith in Jesus Christ. It's our faith knowing he paid our sin debt, knowing that his blood is sufficient to cover our sins. Last verse, we're getting ready to wrap up and go into some prayer time. 1 Corinthians 1 30 and 31 says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. And who, look at this. These are the two words we talked about the last two weeks. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. In other words, you need to recognize there's nothing you can do to receive salvation it's only through Jesus. Jesus' blood, it's what, it's what covers our sins. It's the only thing sufficient to allow us into heaven. So tonight we talked about sanctification. The Lord God, our sanctification. He sanctified her when the rest of them wouldn't do it. Last week, he declared her righteous when the rest of them wouldn't do it. We're going to continue next week, and we're going to the next set. But if you're tuning with us online, thank you so much for joining with us online tonight. I hope this message was a blessing to you. If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is where your journey starts. You simply ask. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me, and I believe you rose in the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And the good news is it doesn't take all those words. You believe Jesus came, died, rose again, you shall be saved. You repent of your ways and start walking with God. That don't mean you're dabbling in what you used to be like. You're walking for God now. You know, I've just learned recently, 
Well, we can talk in a minute. For those of you turning online, thank you for tuning. There's a website you can check out, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. And if you'll go to that website, top of the page, click the menu button, all the way to the right side, there's a link that says The Road to New Life. And it will walk you through the process of salvation, why you need saved, and the details of what you just did. Your next step is you need to find you a good church home, which is discipling, making disciples for Christ. And you need to be baptized because those are the steps Jesus followed. And that will continue you on your journey. So God bless you, and I will see you guys next week.